0: hey everybody this is Alex and you're listening to lunchbox radio thanks to everybody who's been listening to the podcast I know this has been a like significant uptick of listeners so if you're telling your friend keep telling your friend and all that fun jazz but I really want to jump into it here I actually just switched over to a more robust recording app because um I knew the in the in app um recording time limit for Anchor wouldn't do it for what we have to talk about. Because what we have to talk about is a bit of a... a bit of a giant in the anime world. And that is... Hunter x Hunter. (laughs) Now... I've been watching, I um, recently started watching Lily the day that I'm recording this. So after I've experienced all my Hunter x Hunter madness, because I made it the full 148, you know, Saw Gone Meat Gang at the World Trees, Saw the saw Oreo Punch Gang. By the way, spoiler alert for Hunter x Hunter. I'm sorry, it's been out for a while. You can go find it. It'll take you a while, but you can watch it all right now, I promise. Um, I saw Leorio literally fucking cold cocking through a desk. That was that was so satisfying. But today, since I had some free time on my hand, since I had a day off, um, I spent it. I spent a lot of the day watching, um, that new Amazon Prime. Um, show um, Invincible, which is about a you know kid born in a family of superheroes, and he finally gets his superpowers when he's like eighteen, and so now he's this teenage, he he basically like Superboy, but less less pissed off and cloney. Um, but what stunned me about it is that because simply because it is made in conjunction with Prime and not made even close to be, even close to designed to be for, say, one of the major networks. You you get this and it's also not made in the gut, in, under the umbrella of, say, something like um, Disney, which is Marvel, or um, Kid WB, HBO Max, which is DC. And what that means is that the um, the actual look of the show is really different. They're like, they're very clearly, they have like a Batman stand-in at one point. They have like stand-ins for characters, but what it also means is that they can show blood and there can be a kind of gore that isn't, that just doesn't happen in say, um, in say most Marvel or DC things. even in something like The Killing Joke, which you can watch on Netflix right now, it the gore that you would think could be in a show like – in a film like that just isn't there. And I've watched The Killing Joke – I watched that version of The Killing Joke recently, and it just kind of falls flat because they have to be so cartoonish about what people – about what is being done to people in that show – in that in that thing, that it almost loses its effect, it's like this shock and awe thing without where well, you don't feel shocked or awed, and it's this weird it's this weird feeling of like this is like this can't do what it's trying to do because it's i promise to the point here this can't do what it's trying to do because it is um. It's hamstrung by its own, by its own rules and by its own conventions. And when I was watching, um, Invincible, from like, episode two, it's very clear that this is, this is not a Marvel show. This is not a DC, DC show. We are going for the full blood of like, what happens when you f- fucking fight supervillains as a superhero in reality. It's not just like you hit them and they go down necessarily. It's like people get hurt. People die. All this stuff. And that I will say the downside of that show and probably that comic is it reads like it's hinting at what it's about to do with the expectations of its audience from Minute Go. And because I had just watched like literally like pounds of Hunter X Hunter, pounds of it, like poured it in my eye holes for weeks. Um I I found myself thinking about Hunter X Hunter. I found myself thinking about my favorite thing, to, my favorite shonen to beat up on, Black Clover. And the my Black Clover episode is one of my, like, most popular episodes. There's a fair chance that if you're listening to me right now, you first found out about me on my Black Clover episode. And that's because Black Clover is a big shonen hype anime. Um, In the... In the vein of Naruto, in the vein of, say, um, in the vein of, say, what's it called? Of Bleach, of, you know, um, One Piece, it has these feelings. Well, really, not, One Piece is its own weird thing, but... In a way they all they're all their own weird things. Um Dragon Ball Z could be mentioned in the same breath as something like um like um black clover. But the diff the big difference is and I think this is a difference in creators and where the creator is coming from and where the creator is trying and what the creator is trying to say specifically. Um and on a bunch of different levels. So Yoshihiro Togashi, the the manga for not only um Hunter X Hunter, although that would have been enough, but also Yu Yu Hakusho has a very different take on the Shonen genre. He if you so let's 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 sit with some shonen and explore them for a little. If you look at something like, say, Naruto, Naruto is built up around the pre existing concept of ninja, and it is a very Japanese folklore and, you know, urban legend and, you know, myths of history driven show. It, it, create the power system around sh- something that already exists, like chakra or even say or key in the show pretty early on. And they just are like, no, we're calling it a chakra. Don't worry about it. Um. And it, it follows a pretty, it follows a pretty stock standard shonen formula. The um Boruto does a little, Boruto does a little bit different things with it. But that's because Boruto has the distinct advantage of having a pre-built world to drop new characters into. And that's the weird kind of cool thing about Boruto for all that about Boruto that like Naruto fans hate is like they spent a whole lifetime building up the Naruto world and now they're just like dropping new Chess pieces into it, and that gets weird and interesting pretty quickly. Um and then you look at something like, say, One Piece. One Piece is this big sprawling pirate epic that Ichiro Oda is just like, let all of his madness out on. And, but the one big weird quirk to Ichiro Oda is that you can kind of tell when he starts treating his female characters like characters. if just makes any sense. If you want to chart it really early, it shows up the earliest when you meet Nico Robin in um, the, in the, um, in, like, Croc's arc. In the, um, I forget those islands' names arc. But you can tell that it starts there. But it really crystallizes immediately after the time skip when you come back and just the only thing Nami seems to own is freaking bikini tops. And it's just it's like it gets it gets uncomfortable for a couple minutes with the shops and that in the show. I'm I question whether or not that happens in the manga, but I I'm not gonna read that far to get there. But then you also have things like Dragon Ball Z, which are pure power fantasy and all about just big muscly idiots bunch of people punching each other in the face like you have all this big long brawling kind different variants of shonen and then you have something like black clover and black clover is the exact opposite of what um Togashi is trying to do with not only Yu Hakusho, but also Hunter x Hunter to an extent. Actually, uh, to a uh, Hunter x Hunter as well entirely, and that is that Black Clover is an amalgamation of all the formulaic pieces of what makes a perfect shonen show, with vi- with like a weird like, lens put on it and in place of, like, a real trait. And that means that, like, you watch that show, and the entire time watching that show, you may not always – you usually can predict what's going to happen, but you can't – but even when you don't predict it or you – or presented by something totally new, you are not surprised by it, because it never... Black Clover in its entire anime run, and I bet this is why it ramped down and ended in terms of anime, um, never seemed to break out of its bounding box, never seemed to, like, take it to a whole new fucking level. It always was restrained by its own rules constantly. And what Togashi did with not only, um, Hunter x Hunter, but with, um, Yu Hakusho is he constantly takes the bounding box and, like, pulls it further, pu- pulls it further apart and pulls it, and pulls the, the view, the viewing angle wider and, wider and wider and wider and wider and wider until you get to, like, things that you don't get to see in, Really, any other show? Really, any other show? Even something like maybe you see you see it in certain forms in One Piece, but even in One Piece, they like Ichiro Oda keeps coming up with so much shit because, and I love this. I love this about I love this about One Piece because you always have to remember this. There was a kid in Japan whose make a wish was. Because this kid was, like, Oda checked before he said anything. I I swear to God, it was real. Whose wish was, I want to know what the end of One Piece is. And Oda was like, so this kid is definitely going to die, right? Like, it ends here. And they were all, and everybody was like, nope, he's got, like, days to live. And Oda was immediately like, well, then I better get fucking cracking. I better get over to that hospital, huh? I told that kid the end of One Piece, and you gotta understand. And this was like I think probably um, at least five years ago, if not a decade ago. Um, but you gotta understand that up until that point, there was no confirmed like admission that Oda was like, "No, I definitely know what I'm gonna fucking do with this thing." Like, it he basically told everybody like. In doing that, and in that reporting, it told everybody, like, hey, just chill out. Just trust Oda. He's got an end point. Like, some man knows what he's doing. It's madness, but he knows what he's doing. Uh, Togashi, and that allows Oda, like, have a necessarily wider lens because he has to tell people things about about the celestial dragons, about all these little weird things. And also he gets fun little moments like movie like the movies. I don't know if you've seen um Film Gold, which I reviewed Film Gold on the podcast. You can literally go listen to that episode um earlier on in the feed and whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. But that movie's just fun because that movie is just in practice of a world building exercise for the world of one piece and it's great but so what togashi as a mangaka tries to is very clearly trying to do with his manga he's trying to give you as big a picture of the world you he's pla he's playing in as possible. He's trying to give you a picture of the whole sandbox whenever possible. And if he can expand, figure out ways to like add on to that sandbox or expand on it, he will take that every time. Um, in the case, but he also wants to present, if, if I had to guess a depiction of adolescence that is not That is not as sugar coated, not as that doesn't feel as safe as like a the picture of pure adolescence in um say something like Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball or um something like um. Um, not certainly Naruto before he gets, or even Naruto ship within. And I hear you saying, like, Alex, that's not safe. Like, you know, Ichigo's life is not safe in, in, um, Bleach. And I hear you, you are correct. They're fighting monster people, but they're they fighting monsters and, like, evil bad guys all up and down in all of those shows. But the thing is, is that there's no, how should I put this? There's no real world fucked up stuff in a lot of shounen anime. I know that, like, like there's stuff that is real world fucked up about those worlds, but it doesn't. It's not, it doesn't feel like stuff that is always 110% our, like, Exist in our world already. Like if you look at Bleach, Bleach is pretty un is so uninterested in the politics of the Soul Society that they replace one of the they replace two one of the um one of the squad captains twice. Like he's a dark like he's a dark arts professor at Hogwarts. Just in the background, they just introduce him and then they're just like, oops, he seemed to be bad because he was a new character, so we are introducing a different one. And in something like, um, what's it something like Yu Yu Hakusho, the entire 112 episode run of that, it takes you from point A to point Z all the way through. You see it all all make sense, it's all super clear, and it's all like, oh, he met Genkai, and then he met Togoro, and then this happened, and then that happened, and you can jump from rock to rock to rock to rock with Yusuke, and the other thing about him is, and I would, I would have to imagine this is a specific thing to Togashi, because he's incredible at writing like, terrible parents that people admit that, like, people in the universe are like, you're a sh- piece of shit. Um. So in Yu show you have Yusuke's mother, and Yusuke's mother is, like, this deeply useless fucking drunk. She just is. And you never see Yusuke's father, though you led like to believe he's, like, a demon person. And Yusuke, from being from a clearly broken household, shapes him... As like not the cute kind of delinquent that like you often see in um a- in an in anime. For that we get Kuobara. He's the upstanding, heart of gold delinquent kid. But in U.K. you have what a delinquent probably looks like: a foul-mouthed, wronged by the world, fucked up kid who curses like a. Who curses like a sailor and take and takes no shit if he can help it, and yeah, he's got a good heart, but he's not. Yusuke is a good person, not a do-gooder. If that makes any sense, and that shapes that shows attitude to be like of a kind that you kind of haven't seen in such a forceful way since. Like lots of shonen just doesn't have the kind of raw fucking attitude that like pissed off at the world attitude that Yu Yu show constantly has. And it's it, it's one of those it's one of that show's shining moments. And then we go to Hunter X Hunter. And Hunter X Hunter is considered to be one of the foundational shonen shows, even more so than something like, you know, Naruto, or... It's like, Hunter x Hunter is in the same realm as something like Dragon Ball Z, as something like One Piece, as something like Bleach or Naruto. It is not this, like... Second order show, just because the big things in America originally were like the big three or four, which is Naruto, Dragon. Not in this order. I want to be clear, not in this order. Naruto, Dragon Ball, The Bleach, and One Piece. Though they're like the big fucking four of shonen anime from when I from when like I got into anime, which at this point is a long time ago. Um, Think when I was 10 years old, which means 20 years ago. And that was always known about Hunter x Hunter. Like People who sing Hunter x Hunter's praises really sing Hunter x Hunter's praises because, and I rarely say this, at its worst moments, it's better than some of the best moments offered by other shows. I'm not saying it's better than the best moments offered by Yu Yu Hawk Show. Yu, Yu Hawk Show is like a it's by the same person, so it has the same kind of um it has that same kind of ability to give you a deeper look than you may need to watch the show you're watching, but it gives you a better appreciation for what you will see. And that helps the quality of the show. It helps it feel more real. And the other thing about um, Hunter x Hunter is it takes pains to introduce, like, absolute, like, deeply fucked up stuff really quickly. The first arc of, you know, Hunter x Hunter, you know, being about like passing the hunter exam. It, you are introduced to you know, um Karafika, who is um like the last survivor of a race of people and is like just deeply out to like murder some motherfuckers. You get um you get Kilua you, you get the beginning of Killua's like ultimate backstory and all that shit and he and you see all of like you start to see all the moving parts around him but the most important thing you get the most important thing you get is you get Hisoka you get Hisoka like m- basically minute go from this show he is constantly there and he's constantly a a piece on the board who is just kind of like a chaotic a chaotic force for good for like a chaotic neutral he basically does things to to appease his own amusement at any one time, and he is like how should I put this he is Perverse, in a way that, like, for many of the for many of the um, for many of the people watching the in the AIDS group that Gon is cast for as a character, he is probably their first like inter like viewing of a character in that like holy shit this guy is like. This guy is sex offender bait. It's bad. And. And he. So the introduction of him. So early on. And the introduction of. What happened to Killua. At the end of that. At the end of that arc. Which is he is disqualified. Because he straight up murdered somebody. And the rules were. Yo no murder. And he's just like off. This child murders an adult man. Like just on fucking sight. And. You're given this entire show with probably the most important emotionally manipulative part of the show is actually the soundtrack. Cause they have a, Fairly limited range of soundtrack backing pieces they use besides the end the end theme and the opening theme. Um, the end scene they use they like fade in the end theme like fucking masters of media every single fucking time I guarantee it, and it's that soundtrack switches it from a play playful lighthearted thing to like, a mysterious, cool thing to, like, a raucous adventure thing so quickly and so on the dime that there are times you hear it happen, like, they just, like, put on a track, like, they put on, um, a track called Mysterious Lands, and it's just like, I'm in, like, mystical Nen territory, and some cool shit's about to happen. Or is happening, let's go, or any of the other interstitial tracks they use. And if you look at it technically, it's not it's not it's not technically impressive what they're doing. But with they do it so reliably and so on point every time that every time the show does it, it is so it is so on the nose and it fits so well that you're just like, Oh, like this why would you do this any other way? I mean it's ham-handed, but why would you do this any other way? It's sitting right in front of you. Um a great version of that is the use of scene theme every time freaking Hisoka is on screen and fighting. And the other thing about this is it has it has a claim to it that anime rarely gets. And one of the other anime that um, has been put out in the world and has had some controversy around it from what I understand has been this um, show called Jobless Reinc- Reincarnation. And Jobless Reincarnation is supposed to be like one of the first or if not the first super popular isekai um, light novels, I think. I don't even think it's manga. I think it's light novels. And as a result, it's... It, watching it now as an anime, it all feels pretty well-worn, but A, I saw a clip from the anime and it's well-done enough for you to be like, it's well-worn, but holy shit, this is a good variant of it. But knowing that it was the thing that invented The, it was the thing that, one of the things that helped crystallize and invent the concept of Isekai. Gives it a different cachet and gives it a different feel when you're watching it because you realize, oh shit, I'm watching a thing that just didn't fucking exist like this before this happened. And that's true in Hunter x Hunter with the second with I think with the third arc, which is the Greed Island Arc. So if you don't know anything about Green Island Arc, it is it is a trapped in a video game anime for like a season. And it is, I think like twenty thumb on episodes of this trapped in a game anime that proceeds another unique thing that Hunter x Hunter does in which they set... So this is one of the things that I love, that I've always loved the Hunter x Hunter. I've now successfully watched all, but it took me... took me a bit of time to just watch the Greed Island arc, if this makes any sense. And the reason why it took me a bit of time is because there's a thing that when people do it in anime, I love. I love and I'm gonna rattle off a couple anime, I'm gonna see if you can catch on to it. I love, 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 love Tenchi in Tokyo, um Ghost and Shell, all the Ghost in the Shell stuff for partially for this reason. I love, you know, sci fi anime in general. I love um What's it called? Um, um so I I, I like I the part one of the things I loved about psychopaths, although there's not a whole lot to love about psychopaths, it's a super sexist piece of crap. Um often was this, and if you haven't guessed it by now, I love seeing animes set in cities. I know you are like Alex, why? Think about, think about for a second, where all of the, like, super popular anime take place. They don't take place in major metropolises. And oftentimes if they start there, they leave there pretty goddamn quickly. So, like, when you get to the, I think it's the third season of, oh no, it's the second season, because it's, af- it's after the... Um, it's the second season because after the, um, Hunter Exams, I think. Actually, it's the third season. Um, Greed Island is the fourth. Um, Battle Tower is a, it's a, it's a second. Um, the York New City arc is a, like, shonen action anime Wrapped in a freaking tribute to New York City, one of my favorite cities in the world, the city I was born in. Um, and it, Hunter x Hunter, probably because Togashi is pretty well aware of one of the things that I really like about him is he's aware of the, he's aware of the physicality of spaces. Or at least his work is in a way that's really, that's oftentimes not thought about. They have a, um, they have a whole thing, they have a whole running gag in the Dark Tournament arc, um, in the second half of the Dark Tournament arc in Yu Yu Hakusho, where Kuobara keeps getting teleported to the fucking, like, old, to the fucking first round, Stadium they fight in and that thing. And it keeps getting pissed off. And it's basically, cause he has to like walk three miles in one direction to get to the new stadium. And it's so, it's such a like deeply visual location gag that it gets, it like gets me every time and it it's very funny. Um, there's also like, the crowd gets fucked up in that in in the dark tournament arc and all this other stuff. That you can see that Tog- that Togashi's work really plays with the physicality of space. And you see that majorly with actually the Greed Island arc that comes right after the York New City arc. But the York New City arc. It endeavored to tell this basically gangster story about um what's it called about in the Hunter x Hunter universe with a set of characters who they follow for the rest of the show basically called the Phantom Troop, and the Phantom Troop are these like. Are, are these assassins who are from, are, is this group of assassins who is all for the most part, with the exception of Hisoka because Hisoka is in the Phantom Troop to murder its leader above and beyond and only um is, are this like group of people who came from a city in the um, Hunter x Hunter universe called Meteor City that is just low lying trash heap ghetto. Like, if you've ever seen one of those, um, if you've ever seen one of those, like, pictures of places in, like Bangladesh, where, like, it's a city that sits in the shadow of a trash pile, that's the kind of city I'm talking about. Like, they, like, and they are proudly from that city. And they are this, like, internationally known fucking pack of motherfuckers who just get shit done either to their own end or to a client's end. And it becomes this, like, story that enraptures all of these gangsters and it involves a large part, like, Karapika's, like, um... Revenge, deep revenge boner against the phantom troop because like I said the show likes to introduce things pretty quickly and they introduce the phantom troop like it's one of the big bad guys immediately. And then it spends it spends a whole season in like this is the claustrophobic nature of cities. And if you've never seen Tenchi in Tokyo, one of the really interesting things is that they like take the like country bumpkin character of Tenchi Muyo and they stick him in New York, in basically Tokyo, and they stick him in Tokyo. And so you have this whole different, almost like the original Ghost in the Shell style shooting angles of like Tenchi, of like These characters just being in a city instead of in this big, like, long, drawn-out tapestry of a country background. And it gives that show a weird, claustrophobic feeling, and it that same thing, that same feeling is present a lot of the time in the York New City arc of Hunter x Hunter. And then after York New City, you get to the Greed Island arc. And I will tell you right now, I had a hard time getting through Greed Island. Because of the same reason that people probably have a hard time getting through something like jobless reincarnation. I had to and I had a I had a bit of a hard time shifting gears each time from arc to arc because in the in the way that jojo's is built to basically be araki's like outlet hunter x hunter is clearly built to be um to be uh togashi's outlet and you can see that in the like development of the nen in the like looseness of the nen power system, and there's, like, all kinds of, like, conversations about shounen power systems and all this other nonsense, and usually I'm not interested in it, but what I am interested in is what those power systems allow people to do, and if you look at any good shounen power system, it's pretty open-ended in a way that doesn't feel too restrictive to any particular character. One of the downfalls of Bleach is that the power system was locked to different like tribes. And if they wanted to cross-mingle power systems in the main character, they had to like make his mother from this tribe or make his dad from this tribe or secret nonsense bullshit, 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 bullshit. But the, if you look at, say, Yu Yu Hakusho, all it is is spirit energy. It's all it fucking is. And like, it, spirit energy is so primal that it can be like passed between two people like a football, basically. That's what you find out with the spirit wave. But, Nen, as a power system, is designed by default, to be absolutely, to have different silos it can fit in, if you want to, like, okay, for, say, um, for this character, I want to restrain it to it can only be these things. Or it can be totally open-ended. And I forget the different, um, so I believe the different um, variants of, the, the different categories of Nen powers are. You can be an Enhancer, which means you can enhance like your own physical strength or things around you. You can be a um, Conjurer, which means you can make things kind of out of fit thin air. You can be a Manipulator, which means you manipulate Nen into different forms. Or I think the and I think the last one is you can be what's called a specialist. And specialist is like, Oh, your power is weird shit and doesn't fall into anything, or like you can conjure living goddamn beings that can heal people from the dead. Fine. Done. But it conjurer is a a specialist is an excuse for we need this for story reasons for dramatic effect we don't care what it is we don't want to have to explain it it's done so as long as so let's say you and this helps for um fan fiction reasons too like you can if you if your power is too outlandish you can just say oh i would be a specialist and they set up clear rules for how characters find that out, and they call that back. So, um, in the the Battle Tower arc, they show you how like, they show you how each, they show you how people find out what kind of character, what kind of, what category of man-user they are. And you see, and so basically it's called, it's Water divination or form of bit, so you put your two hands around a glass of water, and either the water overflows if you're um let me see if I can remember this the water overflows if you're a enhancer because it's increasing the amount of water the um I think the water bin i think the water spins if you're a manipulator I forget what it does if you're a conjurer I think the um like the leaf multiplies if you're a conjurer as you're a specialist the leaf dies on the water <laughs> like just disintegrates like Thanos snaps away and they call back to that when in the um in the chimera ant arc which is if you if you hear anything about the seasons of Hunter x Hunter, you will hear about the Chimera Ant arc. And I will tell you, as a long-time otaku, the Chimera Ant arc is a ton of fun, very interesting, and held my, held my attention in a meaningful way in way longer than I thought it would. And it is probably the bulk of the show. But it is also kind of the most traditional of the arc. So if you're like you're looking for a non traditional part of um Hunter X Hunter, that might not be it. And but they do use they do constantly refer to the rules and reach and and reshore the rules every time you're like, oh, this is weird. Um, and that the diversity of abilities that characters can have makes it so interesting and so cool. And it keeps those abilities so straight all the way throughout it that it makes that you can understand how characters do what they do. So for example, I'm gonna use Hisoka's ability. And Hisoka is a manipulator, which means that he can manipulate Nen and he is turns and he turns his Nen into what he called bungee gum, which has both the qualities of rubber and gum. So basically it means he has this like spirit bubble gum he can attach to everything and he can, like, pull things away from people, he can, like, dangle the scene in the, um, in the chairman election arc, which is the last one, where he's, like, dangling five coins by all five fingers, and he's swinging them back and forth like pendants, because they're all attached by bungee gum. And the... the kind of inventiveness by which he as a character regardless of his motive or his placement on the scale is <coughs> able to use that shows that he has a depth with this ability and he came up with it, and he came up with ways that he can be that he could be the, be- the baddest ass on the block basically and all this stuff I've been rambling about all crammed together plus plus the show's self-awareness like awareness of the universe it operates in and the reality of the people watching it make this make this Showing an anime that is unlike anything else kind of on the market, and is so is so well known for being that, and so good at shifting from story style to story style to story style, and from arc to arc to arc, that it's not something people have even attempted. People are not going to attempt to do a short maybe three-episode arc, about an auction. That's a, that's an opening into an arc about being intentionally trapped in a video game so you can track down your absentee father. Like, people are not going to attempt that because it's so specific, and it's so... We- and if you, like, see that in Hunter x Hunter, what you will see is so well executed and executed in a way that quite frankly most people wouldn't think to do because and it it, it they have to drift away from this necessarily later because it's very clear Togashi wants to tell. Stories that are bigger than just the character the the main character set by the end of the show at least. And Togashi is kind of infamously um plagued by health trouble. Partially because of overworking himself from his popularity of Yu Yu Hakusho. show. Like if you look at the beginning of Yu Hakusho Show and you look at the end of Yu Yu Hakusho, you see how much his editor dragged him out on that, and it, it like, breaks your heart, basically. But there is a commitment in this show to seeing things from Gon's point of view. And seeing things from two young kids' point of view. They make one necessarily, like, Mentally older because they need an older character somewhere who is a little less bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, fucking constantly like Don is. But at no point in this like big fantastical thing are you until the Chimera and Arkan. Probably you why know, the Chimera and Arkan is probably still highly regarded. Until you get to really. The actually that's not true. You you get there by by again by season three of the show. You get in the York New City arc. You get you spend a lot of time with characters like Hisoka. You spend a lot of time with characters like Karapika, like adult characters. But the entire time, when you spend time with Gon, the character. He is, you see, like, he sees things in a child's point of view. And there are points of, like, shonen protagonist determination, absolutely. But it's not, it it never feels outside of the realm of possibility for, like, a 10-year-old kid to be determined in the way that Gon gets determined. Until you get to the chimera ant. And one of the reasons why you probably hear about the Chimera and Arc is a, it like I keep saying, it is really a like masterwork of shonen, but it is also it shows something that you don't see often in shonen protagonists. In in a more serious way, where I would bet if if where if I had to bet. I would say that, like, Togashi wanted to show Yusuke as a person who, like I said, is a good person, but not a do gooder. Like, Yusuke will fucking come for you if you wrong him every time. But just because of his personality, and because of his age, and because of his, like, at core, kind soul, that has already been broken for years by living in a broken home with an alcoholic fucking mother. It Like, there's a certain kind of, like, because i so strange, millennial malaise that will not leave him. And if you're my age, you kind of know what that is, because most millennials are all fucked up in the same way. Like, we're all kind of, like, been living in a nightmare for so long that, like, We're just like, oh yeah, of course that happens. Who gives a shit? Like, as long as it doesn't interface with me or anybody I care about, it doesn't matter. But in, um, Gon's case, he is a pretty innocent and, but determined character through most of the show. And there even start to be a sect of the show that wants to keep him that way, like, wants him to be, like, the good kid who just has a kind heart for as long as possible. And then you have the character of Kite. And up until, so up until you meet Kite as a character, you don't, Gon's main Gollum's main goal as a hunter, if the, if he has any, is to find his father. And his father has been an absent, been a very explicitly asshole absentee father who basically handed off his own child to like a friend from his from his hometown, and he was like here. Raise this thing until it can speak in full sentence and is interesting, and then just left. Seriously, I'm not kidding. That is 100%. Like he would just like I have this baby now. It's not interesting here. It, you see that as Gon's whole goal. Like he he takes on other goals and gets other goals as he moves along, but his main goal is. Find my dad. Maybe punch him in the face, but mainly find my fucking dad. And up until you see, you meet the character of Kite in the Chimera Ant arc, in the beginning of the Chimera Ant arc, you don't see a character who played any kind of fatherly role to Gon. You have met his, like, aunt who is just like this put-upon woman who's just trying to do her best on Whale Island. And you meet all of the other adults who float in and out of Gon's life. You meet Bisky. You meet Leorio and Carapica, And um, Killua, to an extent, is not only Gon's friend, but functionally like his sibling. Like his best friend's sibling. And they are always attached at the hip throughout most of the show. But, when you meet Kite, they give this, they give you this very clear message of, like, for a lot of Gon's life, in absence of Gon being able to meet his father, who he's never even seen, he has seen Kite as, like, a surrogant father figure, as a surrogant older brother figure and I I will say I've had a surrogate older brother figure in my life he is now passed on but um, not due to COVID due to something else but that takes an effect on you that has a hold on you no matter how far you get from it and when you are reintroduced to it it feels just as strong as it was when you last when, like, you last touched it directly, so to speak. And what this show's kind of final act is because the, um, I'll tell you the last arc, the last fairly short arc of the Hunter election, it's basically, like, a weird curiosity in terms of the anime. I'm sure it I'm pretty sure it continues on past the anime in the manga, but in terms of the anime, it's, like, a weird, like, oh, this show is still popular enough, and, like, we have to round out the season, so let's make... And we got another the season, so let's, like, make a weird po- political thriller nonsense season. Um, also, I'm sure they wanted to find a way to wrap up the um reality of the to wrap up the show in a way that felt like it was a nice bow and the um hunter election arc kind of dug that perfectly um but what they do in the chimera ant arc is they ultimately take it to this like place of revenge that is very clearly not just unhealthy but like unhealthy in a real adult way and you see this character, you see the character of Gon who is, of Gon, who is this kind-hearted kid who has kind of been snapped in two by the fact that Kite is, that basically these, the, um, character of, um, one of the royal guards, I forget her name, the cat girl, um, killed his big brother. And from that, from like, the middle of the Chimera Ant arc to the end of it, Goth is quietly an antagonist. He is not, he is the good guy, they give him a righteous cause, but functionally, he is the hunter, not the hunted, so to speak. He is like, on a mission to kill someone, <laughs> and they do a really good job of like putting the viewer in that mess and making him making you feel that, and the fact that the last arc of the show at least is entirely a arc about in part at least dealing with the consequences of not only Killika, dealing with the consequences but the entire like Hunter universe Hunter x Hunter universe dealing with the consequences of like just some some like core competency good good guys doing some real fucked up shit it like it deals with the consequences of action in a way that is un that is unlike much of what you see in shonen anime. In shonen anime, oftentimes, the bad guys are made to be so bad, to be so evil, and the good guys are made to be so unflinchingly um like good and hopeful and like they have lines they won't cross, and all this other stuff that you don't. Even when they go like full evil, and like they um turn Naruto into like red, like like he's like covered in um tent in nine tailed goo, and like evil Naruto. It doesn't feel like that. That stuff doesn't feel as threatening, and it truly in a true in like a. In a child experiencing true hatred and true malice and fury way that Gon feels when he fucking just is like, nope, I'm done with it. I'm done with this bitch. Like, th- she is ending today. Not this is ending today. She is ending today, and just snap, adults like immediately just like just turns himself into an adult and like not just cleaned house like that, to the There's a point at which the um that character, the um royal guard cat girl, is like, I've never seen anybody with so much talent, and I'm glad. He's going to kill me and not the king because this right here could end anyone on this earth. No questions. And they do a pretty good. They and I, the reason why I keep I want to be clear. The reason why I keep attributing all of this to Togashi and not just to the um, to the adaptation. Is because all of this feels so specific, as to say that it was written in by Togashi, and it was just there to be translated into anime form, almost as storyboard for um for the for the animators who did it. Who, to be clear, did a amazing job because this is a reboot from um the I believe it's like nineteen ninety five um version that caught up to the manga and I think goes up to um the name tag island arc. But um or it goes up to like the middle of Greed Island or something. But it the fact that they made that kind of like he fucking what like Togashi goes for it with a character that in that way with a character in that age bracket and and allows to to doing this Togashi allows a kind of like inner emotion that lots of characters. Um, say, freaking Gom's age or Killa's age in um, in, mo- in definite moments with Killa, just don't get in s- in such a visceral way. When you see like adult, goofy ass, tall haired gone, you're like, oh, Gom has left the building. This man is here to take some souls. <laughs> And it's just like, it's so, it's so honest about what that can feel like. It's so honest about what, you know, grief, when grief and and the anger and fury that can come along with grief can do when it can be aimed at a specific person, at a specific point. Like, think about the most valuable part, the most cherished person in your life, and imagine you- they died, and you knew who killed them. I mean, I know that sounds like some, like, you know, revenge movie bullshit that, like, comes out every five years and stars, like, a different female actress, and it's always about, like, oh, this this man killed my kids five years ago, and now I'm coming to kill him. Um... I'm thinking specifically of that movie, um Peppermint, I think it's called, with um what's her face? With um Ben Affleck's other half that Jennifer Gardner. Like Jennifer Gardner plays the wrong mom who just like goes on a murder spree because somebody killed her kids. And I like That I'm laughing when I say that because it's such a, um, it's such a tropey kind of movie and they often do that to make uh, female actresses into badasses because it gives them, it gives the producers and people who write that kind of movie believe that gives female characters the agency to be the kind of monsters that a male character can be. Just because of like it's a bad day, and um, in the case of Goll, in the end of the Chimera Ant arc, it, he he gives himself over to the revenge of to that moment of revenge so completely that. Like it, mo- most, they make a point of showing like all these different kinds of healers and exorcists and all this other stuff. Just like people walk into the room, into his hospital room, and the the Hunters Association, it's like keeping him alive because they're like, this kid's a fucking national treasure. I, we need to keep him goddamn alive. He, it's, they, they say at the beginning of the um, Hunter Election arc, like. Rule one, don't care what happens in this election, Don does not die. Period. And the fact that he is largely absent for that entire arc, yet so much of it revolves around him and revolves around the confidence the consequences of him giving in to that hatred, that rage, that that grief is such a conversation that they would not have in this, in that way on many other shows that were not like your lie in April, where you're lying in April, or, lying April just like, Hey bud, Hey bud, this is nifty thing that happens sometimes. I, I don't know if you heard about it. It's called crying until there are there until you are literally dehydrated and there is no more water left in your body. And we're going to let you know, just fair warning. We're going to let you know that this will happen by episode two. So proceed with caution. But I just, and then you, and then once again, they have this like throwaway arc with almost as like the arc that ties everything up. But for most throwaway arcs that like wind down, they could feel like unimportant or uninteresting or slightly off. And the thing about the election arc is it, it's so not that, and they at least in the anime and I suspect I suspect in the manga as well, the reason why it feels like so not that is because you spend a lot of that time with Gom's father, Ging. And the reaction to Ging is not like he's this like legendary hunter and this like super experienced badass. Although he clearly is, the reaction to Gang is, oh, he's a fucking insufferable piece of shit who keeps breaking the rules and is just, he's an absentee father piece of shit. God damn, nobody likes him at all. They make a, he's, he is like one of the 12 strongest hunters of, and thus a governing body of the hunter organization called the Zodiacs. And the only person they hate more, that everybody seems to dislike more in that group than, than Ging, is like a character who's custom crafted to be the shittiest, shadiest motherfucker. <laughs> and it, the result is you get to see Gong's entire support Structure basically enact the audience's feelings of like fuck this guy he's a terrible bad on Ging so like the great scene um in that are in that last season where Ging is like Ging and the other Zodiacs are taking questions from um. From the aunt, from like the hunters about the election. And Leora was just like, we're not gonna, um, we're not gonna, we're not gonna waste this on an election question. (laughs) We're going to raise a hand and ask the father of one of my friends why he hasn't been to see him in the hospital when he's like stuck in a fucking Nen coma self-induced men coma because he had no father figure and he avenged the death of the only elder male influence in his life. <laughs> when the answer is unsatisfactory, Leoro is just like, fuck this podium and fuck the under- and fucking faith and punches him so hard it like sends him flying and the I shit you not, the reaction of the crowd that, not just like, oh, it's like, no, no, this was the best day in everybody's week that week. And it is hilarious because every single one of the Zodiacs is just of the other Zodiacs. Just like, yes, yes. Like we we won't vote for Rat Sucker or King. We'll vote for this dude. This dude seems cool. We should give him Ging spot because Ging sucks. And every other hunter is also like, oh, yeah, that guy is a shit bag, And it's this... It's this great... moment, because when you see... When... Uh, Gong is so clearly conflicted about his father, but Gang is so clearly like an older version of Gong that what happens at the what happens at the end of the show is just like Gong finally, like a ten year old finally meeting his dad for the first time and like every every like hopeful ten year old sweet summer child thing that ever happens but in the way that Togashi knew that you couldn't just have Yusuke's mother be a better person he also knew that you couldn't have a father figure to a main character like Ging exist without having some sort of common sense answer of like oh no this guy's a shithead this guy's a like a real piece of crap and like you can't let that go unnoticed it's not okay it's never okay it will never be okay one of the biggest jokes about Dragon Ball V, and this is probably where this where I'll end it. One of the biggest jokes in Dragon Ball V is that Goku is a shitty dad, and at no point, unless you're watching um, Dragon Ball V: Bridge, w- in which it's just like many, many, many of the jokes are like uh, Goku stopped being a piece of shit. <laughs> On many levels, Dragon Ball Z never comments on the like shitty dadness of Goku. It subs Piccolo in ultimately for, it and makes it very clear that like no Goku did not abide, G- Gohan did not abide by his father's practices. He abides by Piccolo's practices. Cause Piccolo was there for his fucking birthday. <laughs> You may have had it in the mountains, and it may have been like a half-melted candle lit on a fucking apple that he woke up to, but he was there for his fucking birthday. And Togashi, probably because of the experience of seeing something like Dragon Ball or seeing and the other unremarked-upon terrible father figures in anime, and in shounen anime specifically, knew that you couldn't make a character who is as selfish and as... um What's the word? As un... As un... As willfully ignorant of his own actions, and just let it slide and just not only let it slide but let it slide in the universe of the show because you're like give you an idea the thing about the about the chimera ant arc is that they make it very clear that the chimera ants Affected the whole world, and it was just like, it was this big world changing event. At the end, they say, they say to Colt, who is, um, like a chimera ant who turns once, um, the king is born, because the king of the fucking is like a fucking sociopathic weirdo who has to learn how to be a human over, like, that entire season, basically, over the entire second half of that season, basically, um, is that. Basically, they like like what do we do with these fucking things? They're murder machines. They can use Nen. They're it's basically a whole new breed of hunters. What the fuck do we do? And they basically classify them as a new class of magical beasts, which is basically like you guys are mystical animals now. Like you're you're protected technically, but we will murder you if we need to. And. <laughs> promise that, motherfucker, we will murder you. And the result is and Ging never even helps. Ging never even shows up for that. He's supposed to be one of the big, big bad 12s. And granted, none of them, none of them do. But when you see them all, you get the sense like, oh, They were all doing their own thing and, like, helping to deal with it. Ging was probably asleep for a fucking month. Um, And there's this core selfishness to the character of Ging. That the show... And there's this core... There are these core fatal flaws to all of these adult characters. That they introduce to um, Gong. In, a, in the end of the Chimera Ant arc, when he just, like, snaps himself into adulthood at the cost of basically his life, um, that the show feels the need to, rightfully so, be like, no, de- like, this shit isn't okay. These people aren't okay. It's not okay that, like, fucking Hisoka wants to, like, kidnap little boys and raise them into, like, strong men so he can kick them in the dick. It's not okay. It's not okay that, like, Ging Child was not immediately taken away from him. It's not okay that, like, uh, Karapika murders a man. It's not okay that the Zoldyck family fucking exists in the way that it does. But the other thing is, and they demonstrate this great with um Nidero and Zeno, the like grandfather of the Dolby and um the um what's it called? The head the 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 twelfth head of the hunter association. That stuff does exist in the world. That like bad weird shit. That like weird I'm not gonna call it gray, but like dark gray approaching black shit does exist and like you work with the world you have and you know like we've all known people who are shitheads we're not going to kill those people like those we're not going to like we can't cut those people out of our lives but if we saw someone else punch that person square in the jaw, it would feel, it wouldn't, it would feel satisfying in a real way. And I, I appreciate the, uh, in Hunter x Hunter and Yu Hakusho, um, I appreciate the like, real understanding of what real humans feel about real humans. And the like, wiping away of all the, like, macho, machismo, shonen horse shit, the, like, moments of, oh, hey, everybody thinks shitty this shitty asshole dad is a shitty asshole dad, and not only are we going to acknowledge that, but we're not going to glorify him. We're going to give him, like, agency and ability and understanding and pathos, but we're not going to say that excuses his shittiness. That excuses his total, like, ignoring of his son. And we're not going to write it in a way that, say, um, this is a great example. We're not going to write it in a way that Hohenheim's the situation, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Spoiler alert for Full Metal Alchemist. Um, Hohenheim in Full Metal Alchemist is written to basically use the fact that he never came back for his dying wife and his two kids. They they write that away with story reasons, like because plot, basically. But at the end of the day, that doesn't change the fact that he left his two children with a mother who died and those kids grew up like wild fucking animals and had to find their own way in the world ultimately as two severely although temporarily severely but severely disabled adults and it sucks but hunter x hunter and one and i Always mention, um, in this vein of, um, Togashi's work, um, you Hakusho both just say no. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you story excuses for why these parents are pieces of shit. Why these parents just so happen to be just the shittiest people. I'm just going to present them as they are. I'm going to present the full... I'm going to present the full consequence and exploration of what that means in in my main character's lives. And how it affects them. In a real way. And how it affects... And not only how it affects them, but how it affects the world around them. And... I'm not going to let my characters, even in the case of, like, even in the case of them being considered great people, get away with it in the eyes of the world. And I I just, after seeing so many shounen anime dismiss behavior that feels so like in like behavior that feels so much like if you didn't have superpowers if you weren't like shown in Jesus this wouldn't be okay it feels nice to like make to like see in Hunter x Hunter like characters who are good characters are good people and like they have do-gooders who do good and uh, Yushke is similar although like, like I said he's a he's a good person who is not a do-gooder but the but he does the right thing that make sense well that makes total sense idiot um and when you look at we hold up Hunter x Hunter to So actually let's start this with end this where we began. Let's hold up Hunter X Hunter to let's hold up the adult parental reality of Hunter X Hunter to the adult parental reality of Black Clover. Black clover when you're introduced to the sister and the um, priest who raised Afta and you know, portrays a two parental figures who didn't set boundaries, do not, who, who did, who A, in the case of the sister, didn't set boundaries hard enough. Like, they didn't. Just fucking didn't never like took Asta and was like, hey bud, what you're doing is sexual harassment and it's not cool. <laughs> you to sit in this corner for a day and think about what you've done. Uh, or in the case of you comparison to you know and um and Asta, like they treated Asta like a piece of shit. Until he got into like the Hunter Courtney. And even then they're like, oh, one of them took pity on him. That's so sad. And it, that's played for laugh. And that's probably the core of my problem with, um, um, Black Clover is that they take these really, they take things that have since become serious offences and serious like things people really have feelings about in the moment when they had feelings about them in the real world and were completely tone deaf and were like, No, it's funny to harass the only the only real female character for like the first episode. It's funny that our main character is a total pushover and failure. And everyone, everyone who he cares about is an absolute piece of shit to him. Whereas you look at something like Hunter x Hunter, and all of the behaviors of all the characters in the world track with all, with what is reality you and they track, they track with what is reality and there is no change of heart because there needs to be no change of heart because it's all logical it's all allowable within the confines of the characters that they exist so they feel like full of people you know, I haven't mentioned Illumi yet, but like Illumi's constant reaction to want to protect his older brother his younger brother, Kiowa, never goes away it, the Zoldikes don't feel like half-hearted characters made for like as support character, because they feel like characters who function by their own set of emotional norms constantly and if I had to give, if I had to give a reason as to why Hunter X Hunter feels so full and so vibrant, even now when you hold it up to newer, more modern shonen like Black Clover, it's because it is. It a it is the thing that sets the bar. In a lot of ways, but b it has a awareness on a character by character level of real emotion, of what real of what real like vengeance of what real desire for vengeance looks like, of what real sadness, anger and like pride and sadism and masochism and all that stuff. And that's, so I I still haven't watched the last episode of um, Jujutsu Kaisen for the season. And the reason why I haven't watched it was because the, the second to last episode struck me as such a mishandling of pacing because it didn't. it didn't set up the weight of what they were about to step into in a real way. And when I stop and think about it, the like moment in which Jujutsu Kaisen set up the most weight and paid off for it and paid off and paid it off was when it was dealing with that, um, side character who got turned into like a, um, troll man before, but, and, um, Yuji had to, like, fight that, like, um, disassembling parts dude in the, in the end of the, in the end of the first half of the first season. And the reason why that felt that way is because it, it took a character and built him up over, like, course of a bunch of, ultimately, a bunch of episodes. And paid off with that emotional follow-through by having it go bad, by having it be the bad ending, by having that character not be saveable, by showing you the consequences of failure. And they don't at least, and I could be wrong and they could be leading into it, but it doesn't feel like that show is following through on that or giving you any emotional, giving you any emotional hooks to like hold on to. It feels like it's just there to like, satisfy the hype about itself at some point. And no matter how cool the stuff in Hunter x Hunter is, it is not, it does not feel the same, at least to me, watching it without the story behind it and without having experienced the story behind it. So I'm gonna go back to the last um part of the Chimera Ant Arc when um Gollum adults himself. His hate him doing that is a cool scene. It is a cool scene. By itself, it is this cool, like good guy beat down beats down bad guy. And it and the two sides are very clear and it becomes this like to, it, it becomes the moment when the battle flips from uneven in the direction of the bad guy, uneven in the direction of the good guy. But when you watch it with the full context, it means something totally different. It means this loss of innocence. It is basically a child who has decided to kill someone, who decided, oh, we're doing this, we're really doing this, I'm here now, I'm in it, I am murdering this person. I'm taking the life of this person. And that is a whole different ball game. And the whole, and that whole episode, and the whole second half of the Chimera Ant arc is set to feel like a whole different ball game. When you have that context versus oh, just this is a hype fight. This is totally a hype fight. Like, I love seeing this. I love seeing that. And it... And I know this isn't fair because it's... Hunter x Hunter has existed for longer, and it will, Hunter x Hunter will always have the whole show to play with, so to speak. The whole, the whole deck of, the whole deck of cards to play with, so to speak. But Hunter x Hunter always feels like it's playing with a full deck. And it's playing with a full awareness of everything that's become, that's come before the moment you're watching. Whereas something like, uh, Black Clover, I am convinced, just could care less. It just could care less. Um, it's like, oh, what happened 10 episodes ago? That seems like what we should limit ourselves to. Um, <laughs> or in case of Jujutsu Kaisen, it, it feels like it. Jujutsu Kaisen feels like it's constantly playing with its own rule set. And that's what it feels like it's interested in, primarily. It doesn't feel like it's interested in the whole life of its character base. It feels like it's trying to set things up in the way that... It feels like Jujutsu Kaisen would benefit from... And I'm saying this in comparison to um, Hunter x Hunter. feels like Jujutsu Kaisen... Would benefit from a baked-in setup like Baroto has, because it feels like if you understood, if you like innately, deeply understood all the rules of the universe you're shitting in, you would get more out of that show, and. I don't think that Jujutsu Kaisen is relying on its past pre- on its past story enough to get you to the same kind of satisfaction that Hunter X Hunter does. On that note, um if you like this if you like this episode, I do new episodes of the podcast every um Thursday and Sunday. And if you like, if, if you like, if you like these shows, the Sunday show is actually a, um, weekly, it, the Sunday show is a weekly, um, more meta textual show. The last Sunday show was about, um, reboots. Um, well, I talked actually about Hunter x Hunter, the 2011 version a little bit because it is technically a reboot. But, um, Until next time, I have been Alec, you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Sunday.